Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you think about uh, chat GPI that everybody's talking about, all this artificial intelligence that uh, is, you know, threatening to completely change the world, the financial markets seem like a natural area where these supercomputers could swoop in and take advantage. All that data, profits, projections, and transactions made in seconds. But is it safe? Uh, does it create market volatility, volatility that, uh, just could do some serious damage? Uh, Pawan Jain is associate professor of finance at John Chambers College of Business and Economics at the West Virginia University. And Pawan is with us now. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for talking to me. Yeah, so let's let's talk about AI because I assumed that uh, artificial intelligence and these supercomputers were already a big part of the whole financial system. Would you say that's true, right? That is correct. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in what ways? Uh, in what ways now are are supercomputers, you know, running the financial markets? Well, a majority of trading today happens um, through these supercomputers. Um, in fact, a lot of exchanges provide something called a co-location facility uh, where uh, you bring in your computer if you're a sophisticated trader with a, some AI-based algorithm that is going to make decision on behalf of the trader whether to buy or sell a stock. You can bring in your computer into the exchange and they, will, they are selling like a space uh, within the exchange, so you have your computer will have like um, high speed access to all the data that's coming into the exchange, uh, whether it be like order flow from different traders or the news that's flowing through the Bloomberg or or other news channels. Uh, it's all analyzed in real time. Uh, the speed of trading right now is is in nanoseconds, so like that's a billionth of a second. Uh, we can't even sort of think of that space. Uh, like by the time we blink the eye, it's about 17 milliseconds. Yeah. So within that, there are probably more than a thousand trades that have already happened. And the prices are moving so fast that even the prices we see on the, because it's, you cannot, that, that one billionth of seconds not even visible. So you cannot see the true prices at any moment in time because that is a stale price now. It's, it's a few millisecond, uh, stale. Wow. So, so uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No. So I was just uh, just mentioning that it's it's happening right now, and it has been happening for a long period of time. It it started in 1980s with all the program traders uh, taking advantage of um, uh, the latency arbitrage and the more so like index arbitrage, where they could do calculations much much faster than human can do. So, like for example, S and P 500 index they have 500 stocks uh, and then based on those 500 uh, stock prices, the index price is determined. 
But sometimes what happens is the index trades a little bit off than all the underlying 500 stocks. So there's a, uh, like an opportunity to benefit from that. But as a human, we cannot really calculate that fast at the like seconds or like in 1987, let's say it was in, in few seconds or a few minutes, but it's really, really challenging for a human brain to do it. So with the computers, they were able to take advantage of that price differential between diff, um, like it's the same asset, but different ways to trade that. Right. But uh, this sort of sounds to me like does it does it create sort of a world of haves and have nots when it comes to trading that the only people who can really effectively trade are people who have access to to high powered computers. Yeah, that I think in the end, that probably is what's going to happen, like because see, 70 percent of the trading already moved um, uh, across the globe, like it's not only in the U.S., but like look at Japan or London, Indian markets. Um, they all all sort of move towards this um, uh, facilitating or providing access to this um, high speed network, like the the high frequency traders. We call them like a high frequency traders, and so they 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 get kind of a priority in some sense in all of these exchanges, and and they have access to the data before. I here in Morgantown, we are in Morgantown, West Virginia. By the time I hit the enter key, they already have seen my order flow and, and so they can take advantage of the order that is out there. It's still looking for the counterparty in this space. They already know that the order is coming in. It's just like, like a big telescope looking through from New York or all the way to Morgantown that I left my house and I should be in New York sometime soon. But they already know my route and and, and what am I uh, driving and, and how fast can I get in here? And so <laughs> if they have that kind of information, they can take advantage of that, right? So. Yeah. So what does that mean for the, you know, for the average Joe who, who maybe has their own investment account? Um, you're just buying and selling stocks. It's almost, you know, like the stone age versus the modern age. Right. So, um, I mean, I get asked that question uh, several times, like basically these high frequency traders, they are picking like pennies pretty much. They're not really um, sort of trading like at, at mispricing like like at several dollars or hundreds of dollars. That's not their goal. They just, they just try to earn like a few cents or even a cent on each trade. But they trade so many times, like maybe they, they execute millions of trades in a day. And so even if they are doing just a penny on each trade, each stock, they are generating a huge amount of money. Um, now, as a trader, when I submit the order, I might get, um, let's say, a penny more. It may cost me slightly more than I would have initially paid. Um, but I mean, the whole point is during the extreme market condition, like think about the analogy I want to generate is about uh, like in the olden times when there were horse carriages, People right. used to travel from uh, place to place. Now, in, in case of accident, at least people will not die. But now with the cars and high-speed um, like planes or trains, the accidents, the probability of accidents might be lower, but when that happens, the probability of death is much, much higher. Right. That's the way I see high-frequency trading, the, the trading powered by these computers. The speed is so fast that just a slight... Um, sort of a oversight on anyone's part leads to billions of dollars of losses. 
Wow. Uh, uh, computers have been with us for a long time in the markets. Have there been any examples of where computers have really screwed up the market? Yeah, so there um, there has been uh, several sort of incidences, like uh, basically in 1987, it's called the Black Monday event. Um, basically what happened was um, the program traders, so back then the computers were not as sophisticated, but the market used to be really, really slow. And so any speed um, could have caused um, a, a kind of a major major crisis. So what used to happen was uh, these program traders, they will take positions on, as they said, the index arbitrage. So when and they look at the index prices and if they were off compared to underlying asset, then they will they will take uh, bigger positions in either side of the market. And when the market goes really, really bad, like the black swan events happen. Uh, and the, the other, before I get into the black swan, I just want to highlight there was a recent event, uh, not so recent, but in 2010, there was the first flash crash caused by high frequency trading. So basically within few seconds, the market dipped like 10%. And then uh, later in the day, it, it went back up, uh, almost uh, recovered entirely. So it was kind of a V-shaped curve. Wow. And then the same thing we saw during the March uh, of 20, uh, 2020, when the COVID, due to COVID, the market uh, was impacted. We just saw like a steep decline in the market. And then again, a V-shaped recovery really, really fast. And I think this is all driven by these uh, computer-based traders. The problem that uh, this algorithm creates is basically twofold. The first one is the markets are competitive. So most algorithmic traders, the program traders, they have an incentive to have the best programs available out there. Now, the downside to that is pretty much everyone would have similar programs. And so when they are analyzing any event, which are especially the extreme events, the black swan events, then the computer gives them the same kind of response, either buy like very aggressively or sell very aggressively. So that's what happens in, um, in a flash crash kind of situation. Basically, if there's a bad news, then all of the computers just sell everything and get, get out of the market. Right. And so when that happens, think about the 70% on average, that's the volume by these computers, that 70% all of a sudden is, is disappeared. And when that is pulled out of the market, the market cannot sustain and it just dips. Yeah. And then, oh, go ahead. Um, then all of a sudden when they get back in, opposite happens. Then all of a sudden the prices gets a boost and then we see a recovery, which we never witnessed in the past. Yeah. And like you said, in, I, th I think it was 2010, uh, the market mm -hmm. went, uh, it had a 10% differential in one day. So I'm guessing people who were doing this really high volume trading probably made a killing on that day. Would that be true? And, and wouldn't that kind of mean that they, they have an incentive for this volatility? Yeah. I mean, um, it is quite possible. Uh, now, unfortunately the, um, the regulators have banned and then they have not required uh, trader identifications to be released. So most of the research sur surrounding these events are based on some proxies. Like, well, um, do we know if it was really a high frequency trading? And we know that because um, what in my research, what I found is uh, for every single trade, there are like, like uh, several orders. For example, in some cases, for every single trade, there are about more than 200 orders that were placed for like at really fast nanosecond speed. 
like buy, sell, buy, sell, and, and you'll see the same volume. For example, it will say, the tape might say like buy 10 stocks of Apple at $150. And then right after that, it will say sell 10 stocks of Apple at $150. And it keeps doing that for like every nanosecond, every few nanoseconds, I would say, not every nanosecond, but like 250 nanoseconds or so. It keeps repeating that. And then we know that the humans cannot do it because we cannot even operate at that high speed. So we know the high frequency traders were very active at that time. And when they were all, and it was caused by a big, like a fat finger error, some human entered too many zeros <laughs> to sell order. A fat said, finger well, they, error. They wanted to sell something like a million stock, and then they ended up selling like a billion stock. And that was picked by the computers because, again, the computers don't have that emotions. They don't think like, well, could this be an error? Yeah. They just react the way they are programmed. And they were programmed to sort of get out of the market as you see a big sell order. And that's what happened. It was an error. And then once they got out of the market, the market crashed. Then people got in and said, well, I think they, there is some mistake here. And so then they, they sort of jumped back in and, and then uh, the market went back to normal. And what about the big investment firms and the big banks that we may have our in, in, uh, investment and retirement money in? Um, are, are they taking advantage of this kind of high volume artificial intelligence trading as well? The banks that we deal with? Yes. Right. So most banks actually have the investment side of it too now. Um, like think of any bank, like, like Bank of America would have like um, their, their high frequency side to it. So where they route the orders uh, to their high frequency desk and it gets executed through uh, a computer program. Some of the banks, they in the olden times, they used to use something called a smart algorithm. So what it does is it sits there like um, uh, just a dormant computer program um, on the exchange, and it only shows a small part of the order. So it's like an iceberg order. We call them an iceberg order. So most of the order, let's say if they want to sell uh, 100,000 stocks of Apple on a given day, they don't. They do not want to show all of their cards. They just say like, "Oh, we just want to sell a hundred stock." And then once the hundred stock get executed, then they show another hundred stock and so forth. So right. those those are the things that uh, most of these uh, pension funds or they they might use that. Now our pension fund may not be as badly affected because again I, we are talking about these nanosecond uh, frequencies versus our pension uh, or um, retirement accounts, they are long-term investments. Now, the way they are affected is basically the volatility, the risk in the market that's being increased by these uh, high-frequency traders. As I said, like during the extreme market conditions, uh, when the market, like in case of flash crash, the market fell within 30 minutes by 10%, which is extreme, never heard of in the past. And so if someone is trying to retire and like say the timing, you cannot really time uh, as you might have in the past because they were human human traders and they cannot react that fast. So if I'm planning to retire, let's say next month, I don't. In the past, I didn't have to really worry about it because the market's not going to move that much, that drastically. But now, I don't know what the market is going to look like next month. Let's <laughs> I mean next day, next minute, for that matter. So. Yeah. That, that risk has gone up substantially right. in the marketplace. 
If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 